0: If you have a Bible nearby, let's uh, let's turn to the Book of Isaiah. We'll go to chapter forty-six, and we'll get there eventually. As you head that direction, of of course, uh, it's Memorial Day, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, and we uh, we certainly remember those who uh, who paid such a high price. so that we could be here today and not be uh, afraid of uh, you know we're not hiding in a basement somewhere uh, there are places around the world where that's their reality and people having to meet in secret and uh, we are uh, we're not in one of those places and I'm thankful for that also thankful that because we're not having to hide we can mobilize and we can take uh, the gospel to our neighborhoods and our cities and our our nation. And we can mobilize to go to other nations, including the ones where it's not really uh, allowed. And so we're positioned not just so that we can be here and say "yay" for us; uh, we're here for them as well. And so paying that price was not only for America, it was also for the world. And so um, you may not know you may not know someone who has lost their life in a war, and um, but to me that's the that's the h- really humbling thing is. That there are so many names on that list that we'll never know, who never we never met them, they never met us, and yet we owe them so much. And I believe that one day we'll be able to tell them, "I thank you" face to face. I think that's a part of what, uh, looking ahead to the future in Christ. That's a, one of the many blessings that we'll get to tell them, "Thank you." But uh, until then, we stop and we remember them, and. But you also you may know some some folks who did pass away in military service, and uh, there are a lot of families that that uh, are hurting today, and uh, so we remember them as well. And so uh, let's just be sure that we're faithful with these important days uh, in our country's calendar. Um, so if you are a veteran, uh, I know it's not Veterans Day, but we still we thank you and know that uh, you were uh, you put you put yourselves in situations where Memorial Day could could uh, could be about you as well. And so we're just thankful for all that you guys have done, all you ladies have done for us. So today, in terms of uh, this sermon, it's going to be a continuation of last week. And if you were here last week, I hope that didn't discourage you or confuse you too much. Um, and if I did, then maybe today is will offer some points of clarity. But I want to just extend last week into this week a little bit, talking about the, the promises of God And I I want to I want to be very clear that this is like I'm I'm thinking of a promise in a very specific kind of way. I'm I'm kind of defining it in in a way that maybe you wouldn't find if you, if you Googled promises of God and all these websites pop up with all these lists, then some of those lists are going to look different than what I'm telling you today. And so, and so let me just tell you where I'm coming from. So at least for our purposes today, you, we can kind of think about it. Like I'm thinking of a promise as a, as a first-person commitment from God to us, like, where, like places in the Bible where he has said, I will, I will be this for you. I will do this for you. Um, when <clears throat> when God has made a commitment, a direct commitment to His people, that's what I'm thinking of in terms of promise. Now the whole Bible is full of truth, and so we can we can take the entire Word of God as a promise. Okay, so I don't want to discount uh, some of the things that that maybe I would say I wouldn't label that as a promise. I would still label it as truth. I would still label it as important. I would still label it as worth building your life on. But I think that promises can play a really unique role in our day-to-day lives. And in this sort of way, everything in the Bible is not God in first person saying, I will be this for you. So that's, I want to narrow it down and say that anything that doesn't follow in that kind of boxy definition of a promise of his first person commitment, everything else is still important and good and crucial and true. So I'm not discounting any of that. But there are times when promises uh can like people can can understand something as a promise when it really isn't a promise. And we can get into trouble that way. Like I've been using the example of of God promising Sarah and Abraham that they would have a child even into their uh, old older years. Um, <clears throat> you don't want to take that and read that. And as someone who is is maybe going through like uh maybe struggling with infertility, you read that and you say God made me a promise. It's right here. See how He told Sarah and Abraham that they would have a baby. He promised me that I'll have a baby. And you grab onto this scripture and you're treating it as a promise when it was really a promise to them and not to you. And then if if having a child is not a part of of your pathway, then God becomes someone who didn't keep His promise, and it gets really tricky. Uh, we, that's one example, but, um, you know, there's, there are times where we see God, you know, God says to, to, to Moses, he has him doing certain things, and he's like, hold the staff above your head, and, th- and this will happen. And um, we don't want to, like, be standing out in the road being like, I'm going to part this traffic right here. I'm going to hold this stick above my head because God promised me that's how it works, you know. Not that that really makes sense, but we do have people who do things like they'll handle snakes, you know, and I'll say, what well, says in the Bible, if you have no faith, it won't bite you. So that's not a promise. <laughs> I believe me. Um, you have the, the prosperity gospel that says, if you, if you just, if you just uh, like delight in the Lord, he'll give you anything that you want. It's a, this name it and claim it kind of thing, all this wealth and prosperity. And they pitch these things as promises, but they're not promises in that sort of way. So that's why I think the label of promise is very, it's very important that we're able to say, What is a promise? versus what are our principles and truths that he communicates in different ways. And so that's why I want to be really specific about it. Um, and so uh, some people would use a wider definition of promise, but we're just going to go with this for right now. So last week I, I talked about in, in deciphering through the scriptures what, what would be a promise in the way that I'm defining it and what is not a promise and how you really want to start off with looking at, at in, the, in, the di- in what you're reading, who is interacting here? Is it a passage where two humans are interacting? Uh, is it a passage where God is interacting with in a very specific way with, with two people, like with Sarah and Abraham? That was a very specific situation. Um, or is God communicating to Israel as a nation? Is he speaking through the prophets to the entire nation? Uh, do we see Jesus talking uh, to people? Um, to his disciples, to different crowds, those kinds of things, and so figuring out who's who's interacting here, that kind of helps you push it into into the category of promise or into the category of other kinds of truth. You know, um, so most of our promises are going to be found with with God interacting. He's either speaking to Israel or Jesus is speaking to pretty much anyone. Uh, that's going to be the two major places where we find that. So we find those in Old Testament narratives. Uh, we see him speaking uh, in, the, in the first five books of the Bible. We see him speaking in the books of the, like the history books, like Chronicles and Kings. We see him speaking through the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Daniel, all the minor prophets as well. Like those are the places where we find God speaking to Israel. And then in the first four books of the New Testament, the four Gospels, that's where we see Jesus doing the most interacting. So most of our promises are going to come from there because that's where God is either addressing the nation of Israel or Jesus is addressing the people of God. And Paul talks about in Galatians three, he says that we are, we are a part of Israel. We're like all the promises were actually made. They're made to the descendants of Abraham, which we are now a part of. Christ has made us a part of the descendants of Abraham, but really the promises were made to one particular descendant of Abraham, which would be Jesus. And so the promise is made to him and in Christ, we are one with him So all the promises that were made from from God were really made to all of us as well. That's why we can claim the Israel promises and we can claim everything that Jesus said. And so if you're reading through the Bible and you're asking yourself, well, who's interacting here? What you won't find most of the time are promises in the way that I'm defining it in like the Psalms. Those are are books of, of poetry that are filled with truth and filled with theology and filled with all these good things. But it's not God first person. It's David expressing himself or these different authors. The Proverbs, that's uh, an accumulation of, of sayings and wisdom attributed to, to Solomon as the one who got those together. That's, that's him saying, this is, this is how it tends to be. This is what wisdom has shown me. This is what experience has shown me. Full of truth. We don't throw any, any, either of those out, but we will, what we don't find is God speaking in first person. So I, what I want us to do is zero in on where, where does God saying directly, I will be this to you. And we circle those and we set those aside and we say, these are, these are God making promises to us. So you figure out who's, who's interacting. Once you've kind of figured that out, um, you can kind of go from there. Now, I haven't talked much about the letters in the new Testament, and I know that some of you are probably curious about that because we build a lot of life on what Paul has written to the churches and Peter and John. And so those are kind of like a whole different animal. So I'm just going to like put those over here and not talk about them very much. Uh, and it's not because they aren't filled with promises. It's just like a whole other like, can of worms. I'm just going to keep the lid on for right now. So we're just going to focus on some of these other things, if that's all right. Um, so here's a, here's, a, here's a general idea, like some general principles when you're reading something and you're like, is this a promise or not? The more specific the situation, the less likely it is for you the more, the more broad the situation and the more God centered the promise, like the more that God is saying, this is who I will be to you. That's probably something that we're going to grab onto. And so as we grab onto these things, uh, you kind of figure that stuff out. Um, who's speaking here. And if it's God to Israel or Jesus to anyone, you're like, okay, this is probably something for me here. Um, I talked last week, you can listen to the podcast, uh, that you can study the, like when, when it was said and where it was said and what was going on there and all the background that makes, it makes Isaiah different than Jeremiah. It makes the, uh, like the first five books of the Bible different from the first five books of the old Testament, different from the first four books of the new Testament. They're, they're not canceling each other out. They're just like, they are in different settings. And so everything becomes more enhanced. And then you get down to looking at what the, what the actual promises are, you know, so you figured out who's who's interacting here? Okay, this is God to Israel. Uh, when did when was it said? What was going on? Why is it so meaningful and all that stuff? And then you get down to okay, what is actually being said? Um, you don't need to turn here, but we looked at Isaiah 43 last week. Isaiah 43, one and two. So here's here's why this one is a, it, this one makes sense. Uh, look at verse one. It says, but now, thus says the Lord who created you. O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Okay, so uh, God is speaking to Israel. And so, what that does is that allows us to put it in the category of God's talking to Israel. So, that means God's talking to me. Uh, What does God have to say? He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. So when you get down to what the promises are, he's speaking to Israel and he says, uh, essentially, that uh, the one who created and formed you and redeemed you and called you uh, by name. Um, and, uh, you know, the one who's like, you're his, he's going to take care of you through whatever you're going through. Like whatever life, whatever, like going down the path of righteousness for his name's sake, whatever that looks like, even if it's looking really difficult because you're like, man, there's a lot of, there's, there's water ahead. There's fire ahead. There's difficulty ahead. He's saying, Hey, I've got you. You're mine. Remember you, you keep going. That fire is that fire's not going to burn you up. Those waters are not going to topple you. You keep going. You're going to be fine because of who you are. Because of whose you are. And so that's when Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 becomes like a very powerful word because it's God speaking to you and saying, this is who I will be to you. So keep going. Yeah. That's where a promise, you know, a, a promise is so powerful because um, we when someone has made a promise to you, the, you, like you're counting on them keeping it. You know, if someone says... Uh, Someone says that they'll, you know, it's different when someone says something to you versus when they say, I promise you that this is who I, this is who I will be to you. This is what I will do for you. When that word comes in there, it is, it is unique and it is different. So let's say that, that you have worked through all those kinds of things that you've figured out who's talking and all the context, all those kinds of things. You figure out what the promises are and you're like, okay, this is, this is for me. Today I want to I want to talk now about like how do you get that into your life? You know, like how does it go from just being some really good verses to being like a part of like the ethos of your life and just this is just like a part of how I live. This is this I'm I'm like, it's like like the old hymn. I'm standing on this promise. Like I'm I'm rooted into this promise. How do I get from uh from the point where I just stopped to that just being a part of how I live? All right, a couple of things. we um, give you a couple of examples of how you implement this. Like examples from the Bible where, where I think we start. Um, in Genesis 32, now I'm going to experiment with something today. Uh, there's this, this thing that we found out we can do with our like, screens. I'll show you in just a second. So pay attention. It's probably not magical to you, but it's very magical to me as a teacher uh, all right, so in Genesis 32, this is what, here's what Jacob says, verse 9. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me... Okay, so it's really slow, but I love it. Oh, I don't know. Thank you. Whoever just wild, thank you. God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O oh Lord, who said to me, and then he quotes him, You said to me, quote, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. All right, so look who's talking. Jacob said to God, God of my father, this is what you said to me, and let me go ahead and take the liberty of quoting you. Okay, so let's keep going. Um, Verse 10, I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you've shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan and now I've become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, verse 12, all right. But you said, and then he quotes him, you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. All right. So what does Jacob do twice? He comes before the Lord humbly. He says, this is who you are. This is what you've said both times. Not that I'm deserving of it. He says, I, I, I'm not worthy of, of, of your faithfulness to me and all these kinds of things. But you told me these two things so I'm gonna I'm gonna do them because that's what you told me to do, okay? So that's Jacob's example, uh, and if you were to like cross reference that, you can look back in chapter thirty one and twenty eight. That's where those quotes come from previously in his story. Okay, now let me jump to another example. This is Moses in Exodus thirty two. This is when uh, Moses is up on the mountain waiting for the Ten Commandments. And all the all the the Children of Israel are, are in the valley, and they have uh, basically grown really insecure about who God is, and they melted all their stuff, and they made a cow or some, something that they're going to worship. Verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. Okay, so God is not happy with them. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to smoke them. I'm going to start over with you. I know that brings up its own set of issues. That's a whole other sermon series. We'll do one day. But Moses, verse 11, Moses implored to the Lord his God and said, so now he's speaking to God, O Lord, why does your wrath burn, burn hot against your people, whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. And look at this verse, verse 13 it says, remember. All right, guess what? I'm underlining it. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, okay, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, quote, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. What does Moses do? He reminds God of the promise that he made to Abraham. The promise was not that that Moses would be made into a great nation. It's that all the people in that valley worshiping that idol were going to become this great nation of faithful worshipers of Yahweh and through them all the nations would be blessed. Moses reminds God of what he said. Then Here's one more. This is Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7. Now this is God speaking to Israel. It says on your walls, O Jerusalem, I've set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. God says you put people on the walls and you, you have them never let up on reminding me and bringing to remembrance the promises that I have made and you just keep what, you keep at it until I follow, until until the promise has been realized in front of you that's what God tells them to do so take Jacob's example of reminding God of his promise by quoting him take Moses' example of reminding God of his promise by quoting him take God's instruction he says hey put them on the walls and just remind me constantly I think that a part of what we do then, as we mash all that together, and I think God wants us, in terms of like how do we download these into us, I think He wants us to start by reminding Him what He said. I believe we see there that He wants us to just wear Him out. That's what He says in, in Isaiah right there. He says you don't let Him grow silent. Do you don't let Him rest. And so for us, this first step, I believe, is is this uh, reminding, this sense of reminding God of what he has promised. That's what claiming a promise looks like. Your kids ever done that to you, parents? We're like, you promised them something, and later on they're like, hey, remember how you promised that we would go to Chick-fil-A? Do you remember that? And you, maybe you remember, maybe you don't, but they remember, right? Like, if you promise them something, they're grabbing onto it. They may not remember a lot of things in life, but they will remember a Chick-fil-A promise. That's what they do. They remind you of things. And you're like, I don't, I don't remember that. And they're like, oh, this is where we were. This is what you're wearing. This was your tone. These were your words. I recorded it on my iPad. You know, like they're like, they're going to zing you with it for sure. That's what claiming a promise is, though. It's, it's, it's saying, hey, you, you said you would do this, and now I'm re- I, I want to cash in on that, so to speak. And so God instructs Israel to do that. We see Jacob doing it. We see Moses doing it. That's what we have to do in our lives. And we're reminding him not because he has forgotten. That's, a, that's one of the many differences between your kids reminding you and us reminding God. Uh, parents, you may forget things. We all forget things. God is not a forgetter. It's, it's impossible for him. We're not reminding him because he's like, oh yeah, sorry, I got I got caught up in this other thing. I forgot about that. That's not what. That's not the kind of reminder. It's it's we're we're telling him that um, we're telling him that we know he hasn't forgotten, and we're letting him know that we haven't forgotten either. You know, like we're letting him know that we are like Sarah in the Old Testament. It says in Hebrews eleven that that she considered him faithful who had promised. Like the one who promised her that she would have a baby was faithful. And so what we're doing when we remind him, it's not a human reminder. It's saying, hey God, we we know that you said this and you're faithful. We just want you, we want you to know that we haven't forgotten it. We've not discarded those scriptures. We've not We've not dismissed that promise just because it's like lofty and difficult and um, just because of our circumstances, we have not forgotten who you are and what you have said. So it's, it's remembrance in that, in that way. So that's the first thing that you want to do. If you want to drag a promise into your life and have it be transformative, the first thing you do is you, you remind him. And that's going to happen in prayer. that's going to happen in you coming before the Lord and quoting his own words to him because you believe them. Now here's some, here's some secondary additional wisdom just from experience in my own life in pastoral ministry and those kinds of things. uh, And from watching other people minister and picking up on like the things that they do. Here's another couple of just bonus, bonus material. Um, in addition to reminding him, uh, like list list the promises in, in like summary form, you know, because sometimes you know, like like you get you get like in a verse and it's it's so it's beautifully written, but sometimes it's easy to get lost in the mechanics of it. And so, just like bullet point that Joker out a little bit, you know, and I'll I'll show you an example in, in a second. But list them in some sort of summary form to where you're boiling it down to: these are the promises that have been made. Um, the second thing would be to, to personalize it somehow. Like, you might want to take it and, and rewrite it in first person from God. Like he's not going to be mad at you if you do this. Write it in, in first person as though he is speaking that promise to you. You may want to, like, plug your name into certain places to personalize it. But sometimes it's hard when he's like, oh, Jacob, uh, uh, I saved this to you, oh, Israel. And he makes this big promise. It's real different if you put your name in there it kind of takes on a life of its own in a really good way. So list them in a summary form, personalize it, uh, memorize it. It might seem elementary, but like commit it to memory. Whatever that looks like for you, you know. So John 3:16 is a promise, right? And in times when you're insecure about your salvation, that, and I use that as an example because we probably all have that verse memorized. When that comes to mind, I don't have to look it up. I don't have to, like, Google that. I don't have to, like, whatever. I can say, man, I'm really just, I don't know, I'm not feeling very saved today. You know, you ever have those days? And you're like, I'm not really sure. But it's like, oh, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I believe in him. Therefore, I will not perish. I will have eternal life. Promise made to me. And so personalizing that, but also because it's committed to memory, it's not something that's like, it's like oh, it's just just off the tips of my fingers. It's like, no, it's, it's a part of me. It's in my brain. And so if you want to really download it, memorizing it is going to be a part of that. Um, the next thing, just find a way to keep it in front of you. Uh, this has never really been one of my things, but I've seen it. So many other people were like, They'll put it on like a post-it note and put it on their computer screen or like on a note card on their dashboard or, you know, like things that you want to remind yourself of. Find a way to keep it in front of you in a way that is going to like habitually build that into your life. Um, another thing would be to put to put some sort of action with it. You know, like if, if this promise is kept, then that means I'm going to have to do this. Even if it's just get out, get out of bed today, you know, there putting some sort of action with it is going to make sense. So, all right, I sent you to Isaiah 46. Now we'll finally get there. I told you we'd get there eventually. Let me show you using this verse what I think if we were to put some of those practical things into place, how this can drag into your life, okay? Isaiah 46, three and four. Let me just read it first. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I've made and I will bear. I'll carry and will save. I love that. Man, the Bible is just the best, right? Like, so... What what is that promising and what is it not promising? It's not necessarily promising that you're going to live a long life. It's it's promising that God's going to like carry you through whatever your life looks like. Like He's carried you the whole time, and He will carry you to the end. So how do, how do I get this into into my life? Well, the first thing I said so we had to do is we had to we had to remind God. Uh, of of the promise we have to remind him in the sense that we're saying hey i know that you haven't forgotten and i want you to know that i have not forgotten either and so in prayer i think that means that you come before the lord and you literally tell him that you say quote i have not forgotten that you promised me in your word and then you read it read it back to him just like jacob did just like moses did He's not going to be insulted by that. He's not going to be like, "I know, I wrote it." He's not defensive like we are. Like he's going to be like, "Yes. Awesome. I'm very good at words, right? Like I'm like read him his own words back to to him. He he loves that." So reminding him in prayer, reminding him and just telling him, "You have carried me from my beginnings and you will carry me until the end. I believe that you'll do what you said you'll do." I believe that this is this is a true you tell him, I've not forgotten your promise. I know that you won't forget either. And if there's a part of me that's struggling to believe this today, would you help my unbelief? I mean, it's like, that is as simple as, as reminding. And it's not, like, that's a very humble thing to do. Like, I, I wouldn't say that you go into your, go in to pray and like just angry with the Lord because he hasn't kept this promise. I think there's an open-handed humility where we say, God, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to remind you of what you've said. I'm going to remind you of what I believe. Because I believe that you're faithful and you're going to see it through. And so reminding him in prayer, I think that's how I would do this. I would articulate those things. I would state those promises. I would tell him exactly what I'm believing, what I'm struggling to believe, all that kind of stuff. But I would use the text. I'd bring it to him and offer it to him. Now, obviously, there's memorizing it. There's like putting it on a note card. Here's keeping it in front of you. There's some of those things I listed that I can't really give you an example of. Um, if you were to bullet point the, that passage, that promise, here's what my list says. It says God will carry, bear, save from beginning to end. That's my summary of the promises. God promises to carry me, to bear, whatever, whatever it is to save me, all of that from the beginning of my life all the way to the end of my life. Here's how I'd personalize it. Like, Sophie, can we go back to verse three? I would, this is going to look weird. I would like take out all this and I would like not working how do you make an h there you go i would literally i would i would get into i would like copy and paste that into my notes app and i would take out oh god all that stuff about israel put me in there listen to me josh who have been born by me from before your birth carried from the womb then the next verse, even to your old age, I am he and to gray hairs, I will carry you. And I'd probably put another word, Josh, I have made you and I will bear you. I will carry you. I will save you. I put my name in there, not because I'm self-centered, but because I, I need to understand that this is for me. So, get into that Notes app and copy and paste it and put your precious name in there, and not to make it this like, oh, I'm the centerpiece of the gospel. No, but God has made a promise to you, and if that helps you hear Him speaking that to you, then you need to do it. It's not blasphemous. Your phone won't melt in your hand. Just do it. However, that personalizes it for you, do that and read it to yourself and believe it, personalize it. Hear God saying, I will save you, I will carry you to the end. Now, I talked about putting, putting points to action, and that kind of depends on where, where my struggle is. Like, So let's say I've, I've been reading through Isaiah, and I get to 46, and that grabs onto me. Different points in life, I can, it could be different reasons why that really resonates with me. So action points will be depending on, like, whoa, why am I struggling, you know? I could be struggling with, with fear about my health. I could be struggling... Um, where's my list? I could be struggling with fear about my health. I could be struggling with this the condition of our world. I could be thinking about my life circumstances. Um, I could be worried about the like the, our church and the future of our church. If I can figure out why this verse connects with me, then my action points make sense. And so... If I'm worried about my health, if I'm fearful, then, and I read this verse and he's like, hmm, I will, I will carry you to the end and I will save you. Then you know what I can do without being as afraid? I can go to the doctor. You know, I cannot not live with this mystery of like, oh, I hadn't been feeling quite right. I wonder if there's something going on there. I can go to the doctor in faith because that's a part of him carrying me. He will carry me to the doctor. If I'm, if I'm sitting around and, and I'm, and I'm worried about, uh, the, the conditions of the world, you know, you start to read the the newspaper and you see what's going on around us and you just become really, really fearful. And I read this verse and God's like, look, I, I, life can get crazy, but I've got you. Then, then I can go about my day. I can, I can make a difference in the, in the world. I, Rather than, than saying, man, there's so much bad out there. I, what good can I do? Then I can say, I'm going to do whatever good I can. I'm going to get involved in bringing the kingdom near to people. I'm not going to get overwhelmed with the world because he's overcome the world. And he's going to carry me all the way through that. I could be really worried about life circumstances. Um, like one of the th- I was thinking through this. like One of the things that's come to mind recently is uh, just seeing how many people... Um, like in, in my like age age range, are now getting into the stage of caring for their aging parents. Now, as someone who has no kids, I'm like, well, who's going to take care of me? Like that's like a real that's like a real thing that's been going through my head lately. Is like, hmm, I need to probably figure that out. <laughs> um, and that 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 can be like it can be like a ha, oh, that's funny thing, or it could be like a it can be a dark it can be a dark place to go. But then I read this verse, and God's like, I'm going to take care of you. You know, like, it's going to be okay. And so with that in mind, this verse, I can say, okay, so my action point, is, I'm just going to remain faithful and obedient. That's, that's all I can really do with that, and just trust that as he carries me, even, even into old age, then it's going to be fine. Or maybe I'm worried about the church and the future of things and I can, I can get into like a really like anxious place about that sometimes and but this verse tells me, you know what there's a chief shepherd he's really good at what he does. He's way better at it than you could ever be and so how about you just default to him and just follow his lead church will be okay see that's those, when I talk about action points that's what I'm talking about so we're reminding god we're, we're personalizing it we're memorizing it we're keeping it in front of us we're 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 dragging it into our lives in all these different kinds of ways and then when it comes time to like move in faith we say well if this is true then this has to be how i approach this particular thing or this particular thing and when when you do that not just like one time you know when you do that for a while and you have a really steady rhythm and diet of that promise over and over and over again, it just becomes a part of who you are. And then then it's just something that you find yourself standing on. And then someone comes to you and they're like, Hey, how do you ever get afraid about this? And you're like, Well, sometimes I do, but here's a here's a verse that's made a huge difference for me. That's how it works. It's not a one, let me try this one, let me walk myself through these steps one time and like, why hasn't it changed? It's because it's a transformation issue and that usually takes time. It's never as quick as we want it to be. But real transformation is like, it's sustainable. It's it's lasting. So I know it seems like a lot of work to get to that point. But think about the fruit of a life, uh, like the fruit that comes out of a life who just lived in with that kind of stuff. Like, no, when when I walk through the fires and the waters, I'm not going to be overcome. I don't have to be afraid. He said, "He will help me. He'll he will strengthen me. He will be with me. He will carry me even into old age, from the beginning to the end. He's got me." You know. When when that's just a natural part of how you live, there's a there's this thing called shalom in the Bible, and I think that's a part of what God means. When the, shalom is this, it's this oneness, this unity, this this peace with us and Him, and so we move from chaos into shalom. For that to happen, I believe that the promises of God, those first person things. To, he said to us are a crucial thing as we remind him and we memorize it and we, we personalize it and we keep it in front of us and we, we pray it to him over and over and over again and he just builds it in. And what's awesome is that this Bible of ours is full of promises. I mean, full of promises. We run through very quickly. Here's, I mean, I got three pages of vetted promises I'll give them to you <laughs> like so if you don't just don't even try to keep up just don't worry worry about this let me just read you a couple of them I'll tell you what I'll have these available printed out for you next week Isaiah 41:10 fear not for I'm with you be not dismayed for I am your God. I'll strengthen you, I'll help you, I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 40. Even young people will faint and grow weary and exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. I like that one. The mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace, shalom, shall not be removed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Blessed are the peacemakers, that shall be called children of God. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Don't be anxious about how you're to speak or what you're to say. For you to say, what you're to say will be given to you in that hour. ever get nervous about sharing your faith? God's like, I'll give you the words. It's okay. Don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll put on. Life's more than that. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all that will be added to you. I've said this to you that you may have peace. You're going to have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. That's a pretty good one. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, meaning physically, yet he shall live forever. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm sorry, if it were not so, What I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And they then he said, where are you going? He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the spirit of truth comes. He'll guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. He'll declare to you the things that are to come. He'll glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I mean, it's just on and on and on. And so these are things that God has given us as first person promises so that we can download them into our lives. So that we can remind him. We can be the watchman on the wall, reminding him over and over and over again over and over again, over again. We remind them, we claim them, we build our lives on them, and we keep going. So I hope that this is encouraging to you. I don't, I don't want to get to the point where you're like, oh, the Bible stresses me out, that's too much work. Uh, and I, I can get that way, believe me. But maybe, maybe instead of having to like go through the process of like all this, like me vet and vet and vet and vet. Maybe you just need to just find a couple of those promises that are huge for you and get them downloaded into you, you know? So something grabs onto you. I hope this has helped give you a process. But the main thing I want us to know is that we have a God who has made promises to us. Like he has made a commitment to his people and he will uh, see that through. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, um, I ask that you would help our unbelief because truthfully, it's kind of hard to believe that you would promise some of these things to us. It's hard for us to imagine um, someone keeping their word to that extent because as much as we want uh, the idea of promises to be a positive one, a lot of us have been burned By promises made and promises uh, broken. And so, may our big takeaway, may, may we just come back to what we learned about Sarah a few weeks ago. And she laughed at you at first when you made a promise to her. And then something happened where she realized that she, instead of maybe focusing on the promise, I guess she focused on you and she realized that the one who made the promise was you and that you are faithful. And so um, may we do the same thing. May we not focus on the promises as much as the one who's making them and what what you will be to us, who you will be to us. And so I love that it always comes back down to you and it comes down to love. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going we're to kind of respond to this a little bit. If, you, if you're a regular around here, you kind of know how this is going to go. But if you're not a regular, let me just explain. Um, we just feel like there's different things going on, and we want to give you a few different ways to respond. And so uh, we're going to stand and sing here in just a second. And so if singing is a part of how you want to respond to God. That's awesome. If you want to come and pray, you can come to these steps um, to come and pray. There will be some folks on the front row who would pray with you. If you want someone to just speak to about that, especially if you want to talk about following Jesus for the first time, because that's that's it. That's where it's at. Um, we're also going to have two communion lines. And so you're welcome in our communion line if you're you don't have to be a member here. If you want what Jesus is offering to you, then and he's offering his body and blood. Then You come get in line and you take it. And you'll take it. You'll take the bread off the tray. You'll dip it in the juice and you'll take it, you'll take it right there yourself. Um, is that physical reminder. Like that's, that's another promise that he's made to us. He says, do, you do this in remembrance of me, re- rem- saying that I, we remember what you have done for us. He also said that he's not gonna partake of that until we're doing that together in heaven. And so it's a foreshadowing of this meal that we'll share together. And so you wanna claim a promise? Taking communion is, is claiming a promise as well. And so you can pray, sing, take communion, do all of it, do none of it. We want to give you some choices there. So let's stand together and John will lead us forward. Um, Our communion uh, lines will open up. You can come whenever you're ready.